chapter 7. Just stick your finger in Mark 7 and Matthew 15. And I, I want to talk about this mother that we know very little about. We don't even know her name. We don't know her name. We don't know her occupation. We don't know her marital status. She may have been a single mother. She may have been a widow. She may have been a divorced mother. We don't know. She may have been a grandmother. But we know that she was a mother. And we don't know her name. We know where she's from. She was from the region of Tyree and Sidon, wherever that is. And uh, we know that she was a Gentile. She was non-Jewish. And we know that she had a daughter that was maybe worse than being sick. Um, we had a, she had a daughter that was possessed by demons. I won't, um, I won't go into it this morning, but I will tell you um, that personally, I know a lot about demon possession and demonology and demon exorcism. And my, my mother's house was a place, many of you that know me or know my mother from Akron, we had this praise service at her house on Monday nights. Reg can attest to this. And, um, and we cast out demons. We cast out evil spirits in our living room. I, I mean, serious stuff. Stuff that I didn't even understand. I was so young that I didn't even understand the, the severity of it. I mean, critical, how critical it was dealing with evil spirits and demons. De demon spirits that were being cast out of people right before our eyes. I mean, Reg did some of these casting. He laid hands on a lot of people and evil spirits came out. Uh, my sister Lois, who's online, did as well. So I guess what I'm saying is that this is real today, the 21st century. We have different labels for it. People call it mental illness in some cases it may be people call it they're just you know having some sort of uh emotional or psychological issues people call it uh various mental disorders sometimes it's demon possession it's not called uh, doctors don't diagnose demon possession Doctors don't diagnose people that are under the influence of wicked and evil spirits. They don't know how to. You can't hear that with a stethoscope. You can't find demon possession by running an MRI. It doesn't show up on a CAT scan. And I know it's an awful subject to talk about on Mother's Day, but not if you're this mother. None of your daughter, literally, your daughter is dying. Your daughter is being destroyed 
by, see, here's, let me just say this. If a person has cancer, as bad and horrible as it is, it can destroy that person, but usually it's not contagious. You don't transmit that. It doesn't do things to the rest of the family, other than obviously emotionally. But demon possession is something that this girl could kill the mother in her sleep and then kill herself. She could wipe out a whole family. We, we hear about these mass shootings. There was just another one. I won't bring you down. Okay, you, you know about all the mass shootings. I heard the uh, president, uh, President Biden's uh, press secretary gave a report the other, the other day. He said there's been 121 days so far in 2023. We're on day like 123. This report was like earlier in May. And she said there's been over 130 or 40 mass shootings. In 120, there's been more mass shootings in the U.S. this year, 2023, than there have been days. And people will, will, will refer to that as, oh, that's just hostility, that's just a cultural issue, that's some sort of uh, issue with, with social injustice, and they'll put all kind of labels on it. But guess what? Sometimes it's demon possession. Sometimes, it's, I know we don't like to talk about that kind of stuff because it's quote-unquote creepy, it's spooky, it's supernatural, it's undefinable, but it's real. The devil, listen, I'm not giving him any props. I'm not trying to exoner, exalt him, certainly trying to, trying to exonerate him, but the devil is real in demonology, demonism. Being possessed is real. And sometimes we send people to the doctor and they need to be coming to church. We send people to a clinical psychologist and they need to see a preacher. They need to see a saint. They need to see somebody that can plead the blood of Jesus and call these demons out and cast out these spirits in the name of Jesus. I'm going to check out this movie that's out. I told you guys about it. Come out in the name of Jesus. It's out in selected theaters. Came out about the same time as the Jesus Revolution came out, which is now going to be streaming, I think, in a few days. But uh, it's, it's, it's Pastor Mark. Oh, boy, what's his last name? At any rate, I can't think of his last name off, offhand. I can see his face. It's a ministry of deliverance. We, and and I'm, I'm familiar with these ministries of deliverance. We have one in our home, and we need more deliverance. Whether we call it a ministry of deliverance or not, we need more people that are willing to call the devil out and identify who he is and what he's trying to do. He's trying to destroy us. And he will possess our family. He will possess our friends. He'll possess our neighbor. He is trying to destroy families, marriages, uh, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, grandfathers, grandmas. He is an enemy, and he is, as John 10, 10 said, he is a thief that cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. All of these suicides that are going on, 
A lot of it is demon possession. People say, well, it was drug influence. It was a drug overdose, or he was, he was a user, he was an addict. It's not always the case. And even if it is the case, the devil can use these destructive measures to steal our families and steal our children and steal our relatives and our community. We, as believers, can, we can come against this. I'm just going to say, we have the power. You don't need to even call a pastor or a preacher. We as believers have the Holy Spirit in us. We can call these things to be and rebuke these spirits in the name of Jesus. That's not even the sermon. That's going to be short, though, but that wasn't my point. I just had to comment on that because I'm thinking about all the terrorism. That Forget about what you know the Palestinians are doing and the Arabs and the people that hate us overseas. There is terrorism right here in our cities. There's terrorism in our homes. There's terrorism in our communities. There, there's weaponized terrorism going on with just believers attacking other believers. Not physically necessarily, but with verbal, verbally. So Jesus was leaving Galilee in verse 21. I'm in Matthew 15. I'll be short. Because I want to, the food should be arriving. When the food arrives, I'm hoping that we will be ready to eat so we don't have to warm it up. Uh, then Jesus left Galilee, verse 21 of Matthew 15. You all with me? The title of the message is Jesus and the Gentile woman or Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus left Galilee and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. If I don't come back to this, don't forget the part about we have the power to cast out evil spirits. If you're a believer, you have the power. I may not get back to that today. That's another sermon for another day, but it is true all the same. It is time out for Christians to be walking around wimpy, wishy-washy, scared, you know, sissified, just, you know, punks about being a, a saint, about using the power that God has put in us. Amen? It's just time out. We have this great power in us, this dunamis, this dynamite. We have this power of the Holy Spirit in us. We don't have to cower to the devil. We don't have to cower to these spirits of wickedness in high places that try to cast us down with every type of imagination, every type of attack. We don't have to let the devil have our families. We don't have to let the devil have our spouses. We don't have to let the devil have our grandkids, our cousins, our nephews, our neighbors. Amen. We can have victory over that, ladies and gentlemen. We can. Prayer is not a Hail Mary. Prayer is not a last resort. Prayer should be our first resort. This lady here using what I, I came up with this term when I was prepping this week, weaponized power. Prayer is weaponized power. It should be our, it should be our, our go-to. Our go-to, guys. Go-to. I'm going to develop that one day. Just keep that term in mind, What the power of prayer. So here's what happened. Jesus left Galilee and went to Tyre. Now flip over, flip over in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7 because that's where the next part of it picks up. Don't lose Matthew 21, Matthew 15, 21 because we're coming right back to 22. But I'm harmonizing these two because you don't see this in Scripture. You, have to, you don't see it side by side. You have to go back and forth. But I put it together in my notes. Jesus got up in verse 24 of Matthew, uh, Mark 7. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyree. 
And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. How many of you know, how many of you know when you are just a person of power, when you are a person of quality, when you are a person of God, people will just find you. People will just seek you out. When you have something to offer, when you have something to give, sometimes it's tough to even get peace and rest and quiet because people are at you. They want something from you. They want to request something of you. And Jesus was no different. And listen, that's not a bad thing, but it's a thing that we have to manage because even Jesus needed to rest. And he was trying to get away to rest. And this is going to play an important part of this little account that I'm about to share with you because it's that rest that makes this incident so amazing. So Jesus was trying to get away from a little a little R and R. Not he wasn't trying to go to Hawaii. He wasn't trying to go to Santa Monica. He wasn't trying to go anywhere really exotic. He just needed a place to lay his head and chill for a minute. And here they come. Watch what it says. But after hearing of him, that's verse 25 of Mark chapter 7, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. By the way, I love the fact that she heard about it. That I wanted, I included Mark 7, 26 and 25 just for this reason, because faith comes by hearing, right? Romans 10, 17. When you hear about something, that's when you bust the move. You, when you hear about Jesus, we have heard about him. As a result of hearing about him, listen, this is important. I'm not going to be long. Just hang with me a few more minutes. When we hear about him, when we study him, when we read about him like the Bereans did, that gives us the ability to increase our faith. Having your faith increase is not anything that you do by singing more or shouting more or playing more or even worshiping more. We get more faith by knowing him better. It's reading him, knowing him, learning him, living him, loving him. That's how our faith grows. That's what happens here. So here's what it goes on to say. In verse 25 of Mark 7, now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. I'm going back to Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. The Gentile woman who lived there came pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Verse 23, but Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Shame on those guys. <laughs> shame on Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, Zacchaeus. Shame on those brothers. Judas, the other Judas. Simon, the other Simon, the zealous. Shame on those guys. How are you going to send this woman away? How are you going to send anybody away that want to see Jesus? By the way, I'm going to come back to it. By the way, that should be our attitude about people that want to, that need to see Christ. They need to see Christ in us, guys. You may say, well, Pastor Will, I don't be sending nobody away. I don't be sending, chasing people away, telling them that they can't come to our church or they can't hear the gospel or they can't worship with me. I don't do No, you may not do it verbally. You may not say to somebody, you can't come. You can't be a part of us. You can't get saved. You can't come to our church. But your lifestyle, your words, your attitude, <laughs> your attitude, your tone, Woo. 
Sometimes we don't say mean things, but we say what we do say, we say it with such an edge, we say it with such a bite, with such a sting that we might as well have just said what we really wanted to say. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like, well, I don't know, easy. Y'all look at me like I don't know what I'm talking Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly how we can have that tone, that tone, that little nastiness, that little edge to our voice that just makes people feel like they need to get up off of you. It's a turnoff. It's a way to get people away. We have that sometimes, and it's not becoming of us as believers. It doesn't endear us to others. It doesn't help others see Jesus in us. I'm not saying that you're going to go to hell because of it, but you might cause somebody else not to come to, to the Lord because they're so turned off. Amen? So let's just, want, let's, let's just be sweet, right? Let's be gentle. Let's find a way. If we don't have anything good to say, if we don't have anything nice to say, let's just go shut down. It's better to be silent because at least they're guessing about how you feel at that point. You haven't revealed yourself completely, <laughs> right? All right, let me wrap this up. So Jesus said to the woman in verse 24 of Matthew 15, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But verse 25, but she came and worshiped him and pleading again, said, Lord, help me. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you may not be able to get a prayer through. You just say Jesus. The name of Jesus the power in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus. Sometimes you might even, even not even get the Jesus out. Lord, Lord have mercy. Lord help. Yeah, that's, how, that's why when I hear people on TV, when I hear them, when I hear uh, actors and shows where they just say, Jesus Christ, or Jesus, I cringe. You might as well use one of the other unpleasant words. I would have actually rather you use one of the other words than to use the Lord's name in vain. I don't, when I, if I'm saying Jesus, I'm saying Jesus because I need him or because I'm praising him. I am not using Jesus in place of an explicative, right? And when I hear it, it's, it's unsettling to me. It's like, wait, wait, you're calling on the name that's above every name. You're calling on the name that can raise the dead. You're calling on the name that can save the lost. You're calling on a name that is that the Lord gave that even the angels, he didn't give them that name. You don't, you don't use that name flippantly and casually and dismissively and irreverently. See all these little minis, sir. I told Maria, I said, you know, when you teach on second Saturday, you know, you know, I, I, we talk about we were talking about going down rabbit holes. I said, I know she goes down rabbit holes. I go down rabbit holes. And I say, we got to quit going down so many rabbit holes and just stick <laughs> stick to the script. You know, the script, I, you know, I, I said this is a short sermon today. Just just one page, two sides. But, you know, as I'm reading these passages, and I haven't even gotten into my three walking points, which I'm getting ready to get. I'm going to be really quick. But I'm looking at these points, and I'm thinking, oh, that's such a good pass. Oh, but I can't let that go. Oh, but wait, just give me one second. Let me talk about this. You know, it's just the word is just so exciting. 
It's so powerful. It's life-changing that I just want to give you guys everything that I got in one sermon. And I say, oh, there will be next Sunday, maybe. Lord willing, there will be next Sunday. But you just never know. But I, I just thought this point is just so, this is just so rich about how, you know, she says, Lord, help me. And you mothers, mothers, Mother's Day, how many times have you just, Lord, help. Lord, help that boy. <laughs> Lord, help him. <laughs> help that son of mine. Help, help that husband of mine, Lord. You know, I mean, I, I, I feel this lady's pain. I'm not a woman. I'm not a mother. But I certainly feel this lady's pain. She's just saying, Lord, help. Lord, help, please. I know I don't check all the boxes. Okay, let me finish this. Let me get through this. All right, so she, said, she says, but she came worshiping and pleading. Again, I'm in verse 25 of Matthew 15. Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't good to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. That deserves another whole point by itself. I'll come back to that. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Jumping back over to Mark chapter 7, 728. Keep your finger in 15 of Matthew because we're coming back. Mark 728 says she answered a little different. I love it. Mark 28 says, but she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's all. Back to Matthew 15, 28, last verse. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Back to Mark 7 for one last verse. Verse 29, Mark 7, part A, says this. And Jesus said to her, because of this answer, go. Because of this answer, go. In other words, you got it. And it's because of that answer. That answer that she gave. Okay, well, well, let's talk about the answer that she gave real quick. So here's the answer that she gave. Point, walking point number one. Here's your walking points. Number one is, Lord, help us as mothers and fathers and children to have faith in you. Faith. Give us, help us with our faith, Lord. What a great Mother's Day present, Lord, if you would just give all the mothers more faith. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17, trusting and obeying the word of God. So she heard about him. And most importantly, she agreed with him. She agreed with the statement that talked about the dogs, guys. She agreed with that. It sounds so insulting. It sounds so abrasive for Jesus to say to her, Hey, I, I can't give you the food that belongs to the children. I can't give that to the dogs. That, in some terms, would be fighting words. Some of y'all would have been taking your earrings off, some of you mothers. Y'all would have been saying, here, hold my jewelry. Hold my purse. I don't believe this Negro. We, we would be going straight ghetto if somebody started talking about you a dog, or you, I can't give to my kids, I can't give to the dogs what I give to my kids. Y'all would be ready to go totally ballistic, right? And I'm giving y'all the G-rated version of what might be happening. It might go deeper than that. 
So, so, so she, she, she could go, she could have gone to a deep, dark place. But here's the way I think Jesus said it. Watch how tone change. I'm going to say the same words, but watch how I think Jesus said it, which intimates what he really meant versus what we hear when we read it in black and white. Jesus probably said it. Oh, by the way, before I tell you how Jesus said it, the expression about the dogs, it's not a rabbit hole read. The expression about the dogs was a common idiom that they used in that day. It was basically like the Jews referred to everybody as dogs. Dogs are infidels. And the other Pal Palestinian or the other Gentile nations referred to Jesus, to the Jews rather, as dogs. So using the term dog was sort of, quote unquote, a little bit of a racial, racial epitaph or a racial slur, but it didn't carry the same kind of significance as using the N-word today. It's more like, it's more like this. Rod can call me the N-word, and it's cool. And I can call Rod the N-word because we just boys, right? I, I, I mean, I'm sure Rod would be okay with that. I mean, because we, we talk, some of y'all talk like that, right? Oh, this person, whatever, you know, or N, please. You know, we will say that among people, and it's cool, right? Yeah. Come on, don't, don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> don't act like y'all white people where you use the N-word, you're going to get canceled. Now, if a, if a white, if one of my clients were to use the N-word, now we have a problem, right? You see, so you see what I'm talking about? So Jesus used an inside word that they all use. They call it, hey, dog, my dog. You know, you know Kevin, that's my dog. I'm Kevin's dog. It, it, it ain't no hard feelings about it. What, what they were using were terms that they use all the time. I know it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that because we're in the 21st century. They were in the first century. But using the term dog wasn't really all that bad. What he was basically saying is that I can't give you an outsider. I can't feed you before I feed my own family. So let me take care of my family first. So here's the way I think Jesus said it, the tonality. I can't give to you. I can't give to you what I'm supposed to give to my kids. I can't give my kids food to the dogs, can I? It was almost like a question. It was, it was almost a rhetorical question. It was, what he was saying was, now you know I got to take care of my family first, okay? So when he used the term dog, yes, it wasn't a term of endearment, but it also wasn't a racial epitaph. He wasn't calling her out of her name, okay? Now, that's important that you know that because of this next part, walking point number two, and that is, Lord, help us to weaponize our prayer life. She, rather than getting angry and getting defensive and taking her earrings off and throwing her head back and wagging her head like some ladies would have done, rather than going there, you know what she said? I, I love how quick and how how responsive how quick on her feet was just said, but yeah lord <laughs> this this just had to just be divinely inspired but even the dogs <laughs> even the dogs it's cool for the dogs to eat the crumbs that fall off the kids table the dogs get their day every dog has his day every dog can get the crumbs so what she was saying was that you know lord i'm not offended by that at all 
I'm not going to let any kind of insult keep me from getting what I want. My daughter is back at home, demon-possessed, dying, literally this very moment. And if it takes being called a name, if it takes being dealt with interracially, if it takes being dealt with from a gender status, if it takes being, quote-unquote, disrespected, that's what we would say, then be that as it may. Dog I may be, will you still heal my daughter? Will you still cast out? I think Jesus was testing how resolved, how committed to this are you? You making this request, but are you really down with this? Are you willing to go to the wall with this? How bad do you want your daughter to be exercised? How much do you want what you're asking? And I think what the Lord was saying was, how willing are you to go beyond just making a request? And she passed the test. She passed the test because she wasn't going to let a little quote-unquote insult, which wasn't an insult, but she wasn't even going to let this situation discourage her. You all with me on that? I'm just blown away by her resilience and her, I, I, I'm not going to, you know, cash in and get defensive and try to fight back. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I love what Jacob said to Jesus when he was wrestling with him in the garden or, or in, in, the, in the woods in Genesis 32, 26. Or, uh, Tim, preached, Tim, Tim he, he preached a great sermon on this some years ago that I won't let you go until you bless me. And what Jacob said is he was wrestling with the Lord in this, this, um, this, this particular representation of the Lord pre-revelation pre pre of Jesus, actually. I'm trying to think of the, the term, uh, the pre-existence of Jesus in the flesh, uh, this pre-incarnation pre of him. It says that then the man said in Genesis 32, 26, let me go for the dawn is breaking. This is the Lord talking to Jacob. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go. You may have put a, you may have broken my hip. You may have put a, a limp in my thigh. You may be wrestling with me all night, but I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. My brother Esau is coming with 400 angry men. I cheated this dude out of his birthright. I cheated this dude out of his legacy. I cheated this dude out of his heritage, and he's coming to kill me. I am not letting you go until tell you bless me this woman of styrofoam we don't know her name her occupation or her marital status but she said you can call me a dog you can give me crumbs you can do anything you want but i'm not leaving your disciples can disrespect me they can say shoo away like a fly they can do what they want to do but i am not leaving until you heal my daughter That is what the Lord is looking for today. That is the kind of tenacity, the kind of persistence, the kind of I won't say die, I won't give up attitude that God is looking for in us. The Bible says in James that we have not because we ask not. And then when we ask, we ask amiss. And then when we ask amiss, we give up after one try. That ain't weaponized prayer. That's a Hail Mary. Well, Lord, here it comes. I hope there's somebody in the end zone to catch it because this is all I got. <laughs> this is all I got. Final talk, walking point number three, encouragement. I put in my notes that encouragement is O2. It's oxygen for the soul. I love that. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, 
Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Philippians says, don't be selfish. I love this. Write this down. Philippians 2, 3 to 5. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. That was our Sunday school lesson this morning as Jesus impressed with me. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Oh, my goodness. Don't only look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I'm, I'm done, guys. Let me just say this. Look, look, in terms of that last part of encouragement, Jesus just said to her, oh, woman. He said, my, my, actually, the Greek, if you interpret the Greek or, or what's called transliterate the Greek, that it's take the Greek and convert it to English. He actually says, my dear woman. I think I put it in my notes. It says, dear woman. This is not only a term of endearment, but it was a term of kindness, like, oh, my goodness. Girl, you are the bomb. <laughs> That's what he was saying in 2021, that this is just next level. I don't believe what I'm hearing. I haven't heard faith like this anywhere in Israel. You, you need to write a book on this. You need to be on Oprah or something. This, this is just next level here because you are just breaking. Look, look at the barriers that she broke down. She's Syrophoenician, so that means she's from another nation that was hostile toward Israel. She's a woman. They lived in a very sexist, chauvinistic community in those days. She was by herself, no husband, no covering, nobody to run interference, nobody to plead her case on her behalf. She had a sick daughter back at home, which put her at an immense disadvantage. She was dealing with the disciples that were saying, send her away. She's begging and getting on our nerves, and we can't stand her. First of all, y'all ain't got no power. <laughs> she ain't asked y'all nothing. She came to Jesus. <laughs> y'all just in the way. <laughs> so scoot on out of the way, brother, because if you can't help me, then I ain't got nothing for you. You know, talking about send her away. Nobody came for you in the first place. <laughs> I mean, I'm just calling spade a spade. So, so she got all this going against her. And then the Bible says, when she came to Jesus said, help me. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus ain't say a word. That's right. Read it. I don't care what translation you read. It said, and he answered her not a word. That would have been discouraging to most. The woman persisted on. Mothers. Mothers. When their daughters, when their kids are at risk, there are no lengths that a mother would not go to. God bless you, mothers. You are the soul of the earth. You are honorable. We wouldn't exist, the fathers, without you, and thank God for you. And I, I love the fact that this lady did not let all of those racial, ethnic, gender barriers keep her from going forth. She didn't say, no, you refer to me as they, them. <laughs> she said, no, you got to get my gender. You got to get my, my, my ethnicity. Not only got my ethnicity right, you have to address me as ma'am. She didn't go there. She didn't get social ethical on them. She didn't get politically correct on them. She didn't, you know, she didn't go any of that. She just said, you know what? I hear you. I agree with you. Will you, will you deliver my daughter? That was, she was single focused. She wasn't letting all of this other 
garbage, this political, racist, sexist, gender stuff getting in the way. She said, my daughter is dying. She's under the influence of demons. She could kill herself at any moment. Remember, there was one demon-possessed guy, remember in Scripture? He was casting himself in the fire. He was cutting himself with sharp objects. I'm trying to sit down. He was doing all of these things. And the, and, the, and the Lord cast the demon spirit out of him, the demonic spirit out of him. I guess I'm saying that the urgency, I am impressed with this lady's absolute laser focus and the urgency of her request. She would not be deterred. She would not be denied. And she just kept asking, kept asking. And the Lord came through. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, pray without ceasing. He wrote another letter, and he said, pray and not faint. But by the King James Version said, pray and not faint. That means in plain English, the word faint there means pray and don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop praying. Use prayer as a weapon. Don't use it as a last resort. Don't insult God by saying when everything else has failed, I'll try Jesus as a Hail Mary. That's insulting. Don't come to me when you're out of options. Come to me first, the Lord is saying. What, if the Lord is our first option, we ain't got to go to plan B, right? We ain't got to go to plan B. I heard a guy on ESPN the other day talking about his basketball career. Actually, it was his football career. And how he was trying to get in the NFL. And uh, he actually became a, a pro bowler at, at the end of his career. Actually, he became a Hall of Famer. And uh, he was talking to the, the interviewer about his career. And he said, like, you know, how did you get to where you got and what were your thoughts going through? He said, he said, you know what? He was talking to the guy that does uh, ESPN late at night. I can't think of his name. The guy with the uh, headphones. He was, he was saying, uh, hey, I didn't have a plan B. He said, it was the NFL or bus. I didn't finish college. I didn't do this. I didn't have any other work ethics. I didn't have any other skill sets. I didn't have any other plans for my life. It was, I'm getting in the NFL or I'm going to be, on, you know, uh, living on the street. And I think it's that kind of attitude that we as believers need to have. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep requesting until you, you do something, or I'm going to die out here. Like those four lepers in 2 Kings chapter 17. Lord, we are going to go to the Syrians because why sit we here until we die? Amen. Great, great message. I not my message. This is a great message here in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. Please read that this week. Please read it. I read it in like seven or eight different translations. Just read it in one even, and you will be blessed by this message and by this nameless, perhaps husbandless, perhaps jobless, perhaps hopeless woman who said, Jesus, I'm coming to you, and I have no option in plan B. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time today. Thank you for this Mother's Day 2023. Lord, just help us, help the mothers, even greater mothers, grandmothers, stepmothers, mother-in-laws, godmothers, lay mothers, whatever position our mothers are in, Lord, we just ask you to continue to bless them, Lord. Continue to give them wisdom to deal with their families and their spouses and their relatives and their friends and their peers and their siblings. Give the women even greater knowledge as you did for Eunice and Lois and Timothy. And Lord, we just ask you, Lord, for that wisdom and that 
foresight, that maturity that women, mothers especially have, Lord, that they would just continue to keep all of us in line and keep us together and keep our families together and keep our lineages together and keep our heritages together, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for them and how they are the foundation of the family and the foundation of the home. And we just ask you to continue to bless them as we honor them today. Lord, may you be glorified in all that we do, say, and think. And may your people, especially our mothers today, be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I saw you. Is everything okay with lunch? We're good. Okay, let me just.